Listener Production. US stocks ease overnight, but interest rate markets continue to surge higher. And Aussie shares expected to open modestly higher on Friday ahead of the Reserve Bank's statement of monetary policy. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Friday the 4th of August. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update. Ryan, stocks overnight have been, I suppose, under pressure, but the losses have been contained. But what continues to stand out is the march higher as far as long-term interest rates particularly a concern around the world, really. There have been few markets that have been spared the rod in terms of the way the bond yields have marched higher. So let's just quickly recap on what has happened where stock prices have been concerned. So the Dow Jones down 0.2 of a percent, the S&P 500 down by around a third of a percent, and NASDAQ down by 0.1 of a percent. But as I said, Bond yields is where the main game is at present, and we've seen 10-year bond yields in the United States up by 11 basis points to 4.19%, and a 30-year U.S. Treasury up 13 points to 4.3%. So another day of rather substantial moves higher where bond yields are concerned. Well, Tom, we have seen longer-dated Treasuries now set for their worst week of 2023, amid signs of unexpected economic strength and concerns over a widening budget deficit. And that continued overnight, as you mentioned. This trend has really continued as well since the Bank of Japan last week. So we did see them tweak their yield curve control strategy. And that surprise has also been a key contributor to seeing two-year Treasury yields around 4.88%, as you mentioned. And today we've got the 10-year at 4.18%. And so the difference, the gap between those yields, the long end of the curve and the short end of the curve, that has now steepened. So that gap is now around 70 basis points thereabouts, and it was around 100 basis points about a week or two ago. So that has pressured equity markets in particular. Indeed. And I suppose the point to make, Ryan, is that the yield curve is an important indicator, but it hasn't been all that reliable from time to time. And I suppose that makes sense in the context of you know, the extent to which central banks have been rummaging around in the internals of, um, of interest rate markets and perverting the way they behave a little bit through quantitative easing. It's something you would expect, I suppose. Absolutely. And more importantly, high yields really reflect the increasingly positive market sentiment mm. around the US economy at the moment. It's quite resilient. And we had some further data last night suggesting that the labour market remains strong. We saw layoffs dropped to an 11-month low in July. So there's a company called Challenger, and they release a report every month. And in that report, the number of job cuts or redundancies decreased from 40,709 in June to 23,697 in July. So an 11-month low. So that points to a continuation of strength in the labour market. That said, we did see jobless claims or claims for unemployment benefits in the US lift a little bit last week by 6,000 to 227,000. There was quite a bit of economic news out last night. Uh, The ISM Services Index factory orders durable goods. Uh, The measure of activity in the services sector moderated somewhat uh, from 53.9 to 52.7. I don't know. Is there anything in here, though, Ryan, that is contributing to the way these bond yields are behaving? What weight would you attach to the downgrade that Fitch applied to uh, US credit? I mean, it's, it's in there, but it's not the nucleus, is it? Well, certainly an overhang from that news, no doubt. But what we continue to see in the services sector is strength in the United States. So 
As you mentioned, the reading for the month of July, that was above 50, indicating growth in the services sector. That accounts for two-thirds of the US economy, and that's despite 525 basis points worth of rate hikes. Yep. We did see still solid new orders, and more importantly, services sector prices are continuing to lift. That's a problem for the US Federal Reserve. And we did, however, see a little bit of a slowing in employment in that ISM reading last night. That is what it all boils down to as far as this week is concerned, because the linchpin, as we've said before, is employment in many respects around how central banks determine what's happening with interest rates. And with the expectation in July that the non-farm payrolls, which will be released later on tonight, will add 200,000 jobs to the economy. That, that number feels low given what we have seen uh, with other measures in uh, recent days, the ADP numbers, for example. So it'll be interesting to see what happens tonight, Ryan. Well, absolutely. And that's going to be a key driver of markets to see whether that 200,000 forecast holds up or not. The unemployment rate is expected to remain near 50-year lows at 3.6%. It all does point to resilience in the labour market more generally and we need to see weaker outcomes for the US Federal Reserve to pause its rate hiking cycle for an extended period, in my view. Now, Ryan, we've um, each spent some time in bond land, and we know how unrelenting moves can be when it comes to interest rates. This feels ominous, the way these bond yields are, are moving higher. It feels to me like they're moving into a different range compared to where we have been in, uh, in recent months. As you mentioned, the 10-year, 4.19% in the United States, that's the highest since November last year. So really what we are seeing is a continuation of a lift in these yields and what wouldn't have helped last night as well was the Bank of England. So we heard from the MPC, the Monetary Policy Committee as it's known, and they lifted interest rates by a quarter percentage point to a 15-year peak of 5.25%. It's 14th back-to-back rate hike and they signalled there may be more to do with inflation at 7.9%. It was a 6-3 decision, uh, six in favour of a quarter, and uh, several voices advocating for a half of 1%. So they are not fearful about uh, the ramifications of higher rates. They are well and truly locked in to getting that inflation rate down. Absolutely. And And walking the talk. And walking to the talk, three-way split there, as you mentioned, 6-3 for an increase, quite mixed the outcomes. The UK is dealing with extremely high inflation. It hit a 41-year high of 11.1% in October. It's fallen more slowly than elsewhere around the world. As I mentioned, 7.9% in June, the highest of any major economy. And its inflation rate's not forecast to get down to 4.9% until the end of this year. That's a faster decline than the Bank of England previously expected, but it's still well above the 2% target. Mortgage costs in the UK are at their highest level since 2008. The jobless rate is expected to rise, reaching 4.8% in late 2025 from 4% now. So really, it's a difficult predicament for the Bank of England at the moment. It's dealing with very high inflation and, of course, households are under enormous pressure. That was reflected in the fortunes of European stocks and European interest rate markets. So in the case of the UK stock index, uh, that market was down by 0.4 of a percent. The French index down 0.7. The German market was down by around 0.8. And the broader measure of European stock performance, 
uh, the top 600 stocks in Europe, that measure was down by around 0.63%. And uh, interest rate markets, German bonds. So this is a, um, something that we have seen consistent throughout the markets. The shorter dated maturities holding on to their levels, but the longer dated bonds, uh, such as a 10-year German bond up by seven basis points to 2.69%. The German Economic backdrop is very weak at the moment. German exports increased by a sluggish 0.1% in June. So we can see a continuing theme there around Europe's biggest economy, really in a bit of a pickle at the moment when it comes to economic growth. And it is an industrial powerhouse that drives the region. So we did see, of course, those share markets under some pressure on the back of that. Looking back at the United States, though, Tom, we've had some important news that's just come out. So We've been awaiting Amazon and yeah. Apple results after the close. Apple's not out yet, but Amazon's earnings are out. And they've reported earning $0.65 cents a share. That compares with the $0.35 cents per share expected by Refinitiv. Uh, revenue, $134.4 billion. Refinitiv analyst expectations for $131.5 billion. So uh, certainly we are seeing... Reports of sales growth of 11% and it has issued optimistic guidance. So in terms of how Amazon is performing, um, what we did see during the course of the trading session was Amazon shares up slightly. They're up by 0.6%. Shares are now up by a whopping 7% in response to that beat. It's a big move higher, isn't it? The other important event in the last day that has been colouring the landscape came out of the Middle East with Saudi Arabia indicating that there is still scope to deepen the present cuts that they have applied where their oil production is supply bearing in mind that earlier in the year they cut production by about a million barrels per day. Uh, that has added to the gains that we have seen for oil prices which have risen quite substantially since the middle part of July. They're probably, well, they're up by about 16, 17% since the middle of last month. Well, the US oil NYMEX price is up by 2.6% to 81.55 US dollars a barrel overnight. Saudi Arabia said it will extend a voluntary oil output cut of 1 million barrels per day for a third month to include September, adding it could extend that beyond September. Meanwhile, Deputy Prime Minister Alexander Novak said Russia would cut oil exports by 300,000 barrels per day in September. So this all points to higher oil prices, higher fuel prices, by gasoline, petrol prices, and it's going to put a lot of pressure on President Joe Biden as he seeks re-election next year. I suppose quite disappointing when you consider the progress that has been made in relation to inflationary outcomes around the world. This type of initiative is, you know, if you wanted to be conspiratorial about it, it's kind of aimed at perhaps undermining the progress in relation to Western inflation. The other thing to note as well is we saw gold prices down 0.3% to 1968.80 US dollars an ounce, pressured by those rising bond yields. But more importantly, iron ore futures fell 2.9% to 104.26 US dollars a tonne. Bearing in mind, that's the US COMEX futures price. If you look at the Singapore futures price, it lost about 4% yesterday, similar to what we saw in the US. But the iron ore price there collapsed below 100 bucks a tonne as investors question China's resolve to revive growth with still intensive stimulus and the nation's biggest group of mills called for curbs on trading. And also at the same time, China's Hebei province, which is its steelmaking province, has been affected by flooding. So 
it's a difficult predicament for iron ore producers at the moment. So that will affect those producers on the Aussie market today, Tom. Uh, so Ryan, arguably one of the most important events of the week today with the Reserve Bank releasing its statement of monetary policy. That's right, Tom. Today's statement also will contain an update following Tuesday's announcement of a pause that will focus on activity inflation forecasts. Inflation is expected to be 3.25% by late this year, bearing in mind it's currently around 6%, and it's not expected to return to, to its target band until late 2025. The May S&P had inflation returning to the top of its target band in mid-2025, so they've kicked the can down the road for six months there, uh, more or less decided they're not going to get into the 2 to 3% target for the best part of two years, but they have said that recent data is consistent with inflation returning to the 2 to 3% target over the forecast horizon and with output and employment continuing to grow. And the unemployment rate is expected to rise to 4.5% by the end of next year and economic growth to slow to just 1.75% in 2024. So one of the key things today to look out for will be the wage price index forecasts. And that follows the Fair Work Commission's decision on minimum wages. So uh, certainly that has a big impact on inflation. It is arguably the most important driver behind the uh, CPI. In company news today, Tom, Block and ResMed both release earnings. James Hardy hosts an annual general meeting. Of course, we get the payrolls data from the United States tonight. And the Aussie dollar has firmed from 65.14 US cents to 65.68 US cents and is currently trading at 65.5 US cents. So an interesting week uh, comes to an end with equally interesting outcomes in the next 12 hours. So have a great weekend. Thank you very much for tuning in this week. And please remember to tune into Stevie and Laura this afternoon for a wrap of what's happened locally. Thanks for your time. This podcast is prepared, approved and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, ABN 60067254399, AFSL 238814. The information does not take into consideration your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Listener.